you gotta, you gotta fix your buddy back there. No, he's just done. He's done. He's done. He's been looking for his keys for fucking twenty. No, no, no. Years. Oh God, he's he's passed out. Welcome to the complete unnecessary podcast for June twenty second, Tuesday, the first one of the summer, two thousand twenty one. It is. Uh, it is al- summer, alongside isn't it? Ian Ferguson and, and passed out Mario, who couldn't find his keys. Keys, please, my keys. And Luigi, Just want my keys. Luigi, Luigi can't see him. May have caught the toilet. I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we'll be talking about uh, lots of fun stuff in, in our world. We'll be reviewing uh, the Evercade uh, handheld. They were nice enough to send us a couple of review units. We'll be talking about a handheld Virtual Boy Super Mario World in widescreen. Lots of other stuff. We got a traditional Q&A about child, what post-childhood games or systems were you most excited for and voicemails and Patreon. Pull handheld out. revival. That's what this is. That's what it is. We're in, the, we're in the, uh, the silver age of handhelds right now. Indeed. The silver age. Golden age would have been the late 80s, early 90s, right? Yeah. How was, how was, how was your weekend, Ian? Did you see Streets of Fire yet on Netflix? People were talking about it on Twitter. I, I searched Streets of Fire because no. I'm obsessed with this fucking movie now. No, I have not um, seen it yet. I... Uh... I played uh, Drunken Jeopardy with some youth football coaches uh, on Saturday night. Got uh, kind of crazy. Um, had my you first know multiple youth football coaches? Multiple, I do. I know a lot of people. Um, and uh, had my first real hangover in probably 10 years on really? Sunday morning. Oh, it was bad, my friend. Yeah. No, I can't say 10 no, years. No, no, I can't you, say 10 no, no, years. That's bullshit. The, the I've been with worst, your conventions. The no. worst hangover I've ever had was uh, at the oh, uh, first MAGFest. I was going to say, I've been with conventions you where it was really tough for you on a Sunday to even get up, so you can't say that. No, it's always tough for me to get up on a Sunday because I sleep weird, but the worst well, hangover I've ever had was uh, MAGFest. Well, I've, I've seen you drinking into the wee hours of the morning at conventions before. Yeah, that doesn't always you've equal slunk, a hangover. You've slunk it into the room into your bed at like 4 a.m. I've been there before. <laughs> so like, Some people stay up late. So I'm saying, though, that those are probably half hangovers, half you were up late. I know my hangovers. Okay. Okay. But MAGFest. Right, MAGFest, was, MAGFest was a bad with, one. With, so with I John, can't say 10 years. With Johnny D? Uh, it was, no, that was... Uh, well, that was that was with a lot of people. I mean, yeah. well, John DeLee is always blacked out, whiskey drunk at, at Magfest. We drank until seven thirty uh, in the morning, and then I had to get up at ten thirty, and we had to be out of the hotel room at eleven. It was wonderful. I remember waking up and uh, pushing myself up off the ground and just screaming into the floor for like thirty seconds that day. Uh, anyways, uh, drunken Jeopardy with the youth football coaches went well. It was fun. Did you actually like play a game, or was it like a board game? Or was it? Uh, it was. It, you, you know how Norm sets up Jeopardy at like uh, the conventions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like a web yeah, browser. There's, there's, app an, there's an app. Okay. Yeah, and then there it was interspersed with drinking. Well, mini well games. who came up with the questions then? Did one of you uh, have questions. One, one of their host? sons, uh, Jack, who is uh, 25. Uh, it was all like nerd-based questions. Um, but yeah, after like every few rounds of questions, there was uh, a drinking game. Okay. Um, and that got out of hand. I had to drink a shot of 99 bananas, which is not something I have had since I was probably, oh, under the legal drinking age. Uh, I never even heard of that shot before. Oh, 99 bananas? Uh, 99 is a brand. It is a brand of uh, bottom barrel flavored schnapps. Oh, that sounds bad. Uh, Yeah. uh It's called 99 because it's 99 proof. So it's uh, like 48.5% alcohol. So it's more than most, most hard liquors. Um, and it tastes like burning and then an artificial flavor. They do like blueberry, banana. Banana's the real popular it's a, one. It's like a schnapp thing. It's not like, it's not like a malt. No, no, it's, it's a schnapps. It's a schnapps. I, I wouldn't, I can't imagine what a malt, 
Well, okay, yeah, you could do like a single malt whiskey. I was thinking like a malt beverage. Anyways, I'm thinking, uh, like, I'm thinking Mad Dog 2020. That's one thing. Uh, Mad Dog 2020 is uh, fortified wine. It's malt, though. No, it's not. No, it's fortified wine. I've drank enough of that in college to know it's awful either way. It, it definitely hurts you the next morning because it's all sugar. Great Mad Dog, holy shit! There's two varieties of Great Mad Dog too. You can get uh, the thirteen point five percent alcohol version, or you know. can get like there's an eighteen uh, percent Grape Mad Dog that is just that's probably the one I was forced to chug. That was probably the one I was forced it's to down gross, a fucking man. bottle. It's and gross. people would say, "Well, the 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 whatever the aqua color one, that's the good Mad Dog." There's no good Mad Dog. There's none of them. Oh, none bling, of them. bling bling blue raspberry. No. No, none of them. Oh, that's the name. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. Like I never say that. There's a little chain and it says bling bling yeah. on it. No, none of none of the Mad Dog is good. None of them. Um, the key lime pie Mad Dog. You can taste the crust. I'd say, I, I drank a lot the first two years of college, two and a half years. I still drink stuff, you know, junior year, senior year, it's college. But there's stuff I will never drink again that I drank in college, including Jim Beam. Stuff I will never touch again. But um, from drinking too much of it. Other than that, I went out for Korean barbecue yesterday. First time since the pandemic. Hadn't had it in ages. Forgot how much I love Korean barbecue. Did it seem semi-normal? Yeah. Like in terms of like the process of you got your meats and mm-hmm. your little... Yep. It was one of the all-you-can-eat ones. It was grill. delicious. I definitely overate as I usually do at a Korean barbecue. Got the meat sweats. Uh, had myself a good meat sleep last night. Well, I've only been to what, the one Korean barbecue with you. That's it. After after SoCal. Oh, the one with uh, we went with, with Andre with and uh, Yoshi and no, we've done Korean barbecue Twice. a few times. We've done two or three times because uh, we uh, we did. Uh, there was the one time we went with um, yeah, it was Andre, Yoshi, and Gerard was there. I think maybe Alex too. Maybe the other one. Um, Ian gets hyper focused at Korean barbecues. I do. He gets like into the zone. It's interesting because like we'll be having conversations and Ian will be like fucking. Like we don't exist and dead focus on the meats. Mm-hmm. Getting the meats like it's 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 good. It's you need someone you need someone, you need someone you, to focus in control on the meats. focus and get it and get it cooked. <laughs> it, it's very strategic because if no one takes responsibility of getting the meats cooked, no one eats. Yeah, someone so someone's got to be the meat captain. Yeah, he's usually the meat captain. I'm usually secondary. If there's a second one, I'm the secondary <laughs> meat captain. You gotta have it. You gotta have someone turn it. It's like someone at a barbecue, a grilling. You gotta have someone. But it. if you but if you don't. Uh, if you don't delegate yeah. that to someone, or if you don't have someone who steps up and takes it, then you have people flipping the meats too many yeah, times. No, yeah. you gotta let them sit. W- or really nilly. Yeah, you, you, you clash with the tongs. There's got to be you order. Keep to the it. meat separated just in case there's some weird allergy. Now, now, Ian, Ian, and, and, and me, we have our disagreements on on certain stuff. But when it comes to food, our concentric circles pretty almost match. Our Venn diagram is that what it is? Venn diagram? Yeah, we're like ninety eight percent there in yeah, terms almost, of food. We're almost in focus in terms of food stuff. I can be a bit more picky on Mexican food than you can. I wouldn't say you're more picky with Mexican food. Uh, yeah, I mean, a little hoity toity. Uh, take I'm that back. I disagree on a couple of things, but we're, we're there. I'm a little easier on pizza. I think. You're more easier on pizza. Well, I, I want real pizza from these coasts. So do I. I've also been out here for 16 years, and sometimes I just gotta have pizza. I've been out here for 12 years. Yep. It's well, it's not... A lot of things can change in that five, four to four, five oh, years. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna get a lot, a lot more. <laughs> yeah. In the next four years, I was gonna fuck it all. Uh, what did I do this weekend, Ian? What did you do this weekend? <laughs> Thanks for asking. Um, I played um, and reviewed. Uh, Jesus, what game did I play and review? Played and reviewed Jesus, that classic Je- game. Jesus for the si- Jesus sixty four. <laughs> Jesus sixty four. <laughs> well, I just played Golden Nugget sixty four. That's I have. Three. How was it? It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Good you variety of games on there. There's like there's ten games, including uh, nine table games, and six uh, slots. Oh, okay. And and what's most impressive about it is like 
the sounds are all authentic. They must have went to casinos and like got actual sounds of machines. Or even like the backgrounds when you're in the casino. Like like you're not walking around the casino, you select it from a menu, but then it's all three D. The craps is really good. Uh you can even shake the dice using the, the analog, you see the arm go like Oh, that's, that's neat. Blackjack, uh, craps, five card, roulette, seven card, video po- seven card stud, five card draw. Video poker, Texas Hold'em, big six wheel, similar to roulette, it says, mini baccarat, and slot machines. Uh, well, the, the big six wheel is just a, like a wheel, like a down the shore. It's just the wheel you spin. It, it pays oh, okay. two to one, five to one. Gotcha. It's terrible odds. Uh, I don't know if the odds are worse than roulette. Roulette odds are not great either. Uh, house, house edge, I think it was uh, 10% in roulette. Something like that. Um, but it even tells you all the rules. Mini Baccarat's weird. I couldn't get it. It's literally like you don't do anything. It's like, oh, bet on the house or you bet on the player to win on the cards. It's like the highest to get to, I think, nine points or something. Guess which hand is closer to nine without going over. But like you don't, you, it's, you feel like you have no control over anything. Unlike mm. blackjack where you do. It's so weird. That's why you watch those James Bond movies. They're playing back right. It's like they're not really doing anything. They're just like betting. That's all. They're, they're not really like they're getting a card. Like you don't do anything. It's not like poker where you decide what to hand over or, you know, what cards. Right, right. And, and seven or five cards. Seven card stud is interesting. Not to get into it because, like, you start with seven card stud is neat. Um, one card face up, and then uh, four face down, two face up uh, for each player, and then you do the best five card hand. It's a very interesting strategy because mm-hmm. you see you see at least a couple of the cards yep. the other players have. No, no, I think it's the first and last are are, are face up. So it's it's it seems there's less. There's more randomness than hold them, Texas hold them, but it's it's on the same lines. You can see what the other player kind of has. Through, yeah, you, through, you through can get an idea of what yeah. they have. But uh, te- Texas hold is still the goat uh, poker game. It's still the best. Seven card stud was actually how I learned how to play poker. That's the poker game my dad taught me when I was uh, younger. Five card stud is still just the ridiculous. Well, I don't know what you have, and you could be bluffing out. There's like no, there's almost no strategy involved in five card stud. Sure, all. it's just like, well, how many cards are given away? One, two, three, or four. And what do they have? Like, yeah. there's it's totally sorry. Learned five card, but we played seven card because it was more fun. And F- then, yeah, and five... then I learned I learned Texas Hold'em in late high school. I think. Five card is like the beginners just to learn how to make a hand. You learn the rules, yeah. But like, there's no strategy. I, like, you don't know what the player can potentially have at all besides how many cards are taken out. But... Poker, great game. And then I played. Um, game. Yeah, well, what I can't I can't believe like, I can't remember what I just reviewed before that. I, I cannot believe I can't remember what I just wrote before that and got done. Uh, Shillelaghs and Shamrocks, 97. <laughs> <laughs> um, Supreme Court had an NCAA rule, and the reason I bring this up, it was brought to my attention because we brought up the NCAA a couple months ago, and it's been on our hit list of, of hot topics about how we can't stand that student-athletes um, aren't paid anything. They don't get shit. Not only do they not get shit, they're restricted on what they can even receive. So there was a unanimous NCAA, uh, excuse me, unanimous Supreme Court ruling that came out that said the NCAA can't limit some benefits to student athletes. Unanimous. Unanimous. I know. Um, so um, they said that uh, the NCAA went too far in blocking some educated related relief for student athletes. Um, so this doesn't mean they can get paid yet, but it opens that door for potential future litigation and lawsuits. It's, it's the beginning of the end for that. Um, basically, it was, it was an antitrust law is what it was. Uh, uh, Dismiss the organization's argument that antitrust law doesn't apply to the case. So it's basically it is. Antitrust law can apply to the NCAA. So that's good. Yeah, I'm happy to hear it. So that's good. It's good, it's good to get a 9-0 
Supreme Court ruling. We've had a couple recently, so it's good to get. Oh, this is a slam dunk one. We're all on the same page. Doesn't matter. That's good. Uh, video game years premiered on my site. Repremiered the full episodes were not on my excuse me, on my site on my, my YouTube page. Seventy seven came out. Oh, the glory of the nineteen seventy seven video game years that were produced in two thousand twelve. Why your eyes go like that, Ian? <laughs> uh, uh, so why, did your eyes, why did your eyes do that involuntarily? It's a little rough. I think that episode's probably a little harsh. It get better. <clears throat> there was some smoothing out in 77 uh, but set, I'm doing one every Monday it's the summer of video game years um, so it'll be one literally every every the whole summer up until I think September around around four months from now there's 13 episodes so that's three three months that's that's a season Pat yeah so mm-hmm. the whole summer you get video game years yeah so, so get out your, your your jams get your little floaties on put on some sunscreen and watch some video game years every Monday it's a premiere come in the chat Ian might show up for one he won't show up to like 80, I think. He'll show up at 80 I or just, 81. I know. I really can't watch myself. I can't do it. I, I can't. You watch your clips of yourself? Why? You know, because you, you, you were freshly shaved? No, were I, shaved? I, don't, I, I don't watch clips of myself on uh, this either. I read the comments, but I don't watch oh, the you clips. Just, you just wait in the comments? I load it up. I immediately hit pause, and then I no, scroll no. down. P- pay yourself and me. Hit play and just mute it. Oh, okay. That just works. scroll down. What, come on. You're costing us All right. ad I, dollars. I don't know. I don't know. I figure once I click the link, I've done my job. I don't know. I, I didn't know you have to let it run. No, it, plus and it kills kills the average the average watch time. Oh, okay. So you're, you're killing. Right, no, you're, 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 make, you're making a good point. I will. I will simply hit mute from this yes. point on. Yes, mute. Okay. <laughs> when you're right, you're right, and you're right. All right. All right. Uh, uh, was that? That was a spaceballs quote. Yes. When you're right, you're right, and you you're always right. Uh, barf. Uh, rest in peace, John Candy. Gone way too soon. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, you see that Code Legend Mega Man Kickstarter? Yeah, it's kind of neat. I'm not familiar with with this line of uh, pro- products, but it's a like programmable, uh, I think, device with uh, that basically teaches you programming and interaction. And this is a little. It's one of those kits that gets kids into like uh, programming the STEM field and stuff like that. It's supposed yeah. to, you know, We're energize s- their brain and get it ready for uh, the the technological future that sure. they are inheriting. Um, I'm trying to see the other Code Legend products. So this is a Kickstarter. It's a, a Capcom official product. You basically make like a power glove type of controller. That's yeah. what you're basically doing here, and, and using it on you know with your computer program that has it looks like it has what is that Mega Man Two built in. Yep. Um, and you can learn how to program. You, you like it shows you like twisting the gauntlet and, and moving it in order to jump and to move and to fire. And you can swap out cards in order to change the weapons. And it's just it's neat. And it's it a, teaches you apparently how to program a Mega Man game as well. So it's not just the little oh I didn't see that handheld as well. Yeah, okay. use the original Mega Man assets from character sprites and stages to the iconic Mega Buster sound effect to program a real Mega Man game. So we're dumb when it comes to STEM in, in uh, the U.S. So anything that could help out. And and help us learn here if you like Mega Man. There you go. Get it get into a four or five year old's hand. This is. I wish there was stuff like this back in the day. That'd be great. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. I I'm always amazed at like the toys kids have, and I look at them and I get kind of jealous. Sometimes. No, I'm totally jealous. I just don't go out and buy them and use them. But I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I find out like uh like my uh my niece over Christmas got like this hydraulic claw that her and my dad built together. And oh was, wow! Yeah, like you put your hand in and you pull on the, you know, uh, you, you, it's it place to the stick fingers? your fingers and it gives you like the yeah. It, it was cool, and I, I see all these, and it's like th- these are cool toys. They're actually like learning experiences, but they're also awesome to play with. There's a sprite editor built in 
to this, looking at this Kickstarter. Um, you can, let's see, there's a guidebook that includes columns about the game industry so you, um, so you can learn about the actual business as you practice programming. Wow. So this is almost like a, almost like a, a learning tool for the whole, I guess, programming you know, a game like the whole industry. That's really interesting. You get these little blocks to bake it. So these, these are like like almost like, well, Legos are 3D, but they're more intense Lego blocks because the spacing is all different. For different, different connecting types. points and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, to make something more 3D-ish, it looks like. Yeah, really cool. It's not cheap, though, but that's all right. It's going to cost you like $250 uh, to get this set up. But no, if, if, you, if you know someone into this, uh, go for it. I think it looks neat. From Artec. The name you can trust. Selling educational goods from since 1960. There you go. Uh, I've been selling goods since 2000. And, I don't know. 16 at ultimatenintendo.com <laughs> where you could uh, check out uh, guidebooks. You can check out RBI baseball stickers. Uh, enamel pins. Was it really? Or are you just being facetious? Uh, and t-shirts. I sold, it amused me. I sold a Mott Man t-shirt for us last week. Oh, really? We still have some Mott Man shirts left. From a few years ago, we still got a few left. And the limited shirts, of course. Uh, we got those going on there. Get them now before the remaining stock goes to a Ross near you. TJ Maxx. TJ Maxx. I'll show you that on the rack <laughs> yeah. up front. Get you see you podcast shirt at so I was like some of those clothes. Where it was like, oh, how is this 90% off? It must, no one must really want this. Mark Town from 80 bucks, JCPenney, $5.99. That's why you love Marshalls or TJ Maxx. And I'm on Cameo. I just got a Cameo request. While I was uh, prepping the podcast, I'm wishing someone a 40th birthday. There you go. Oh, that's nice. awesome. There you go. 40 is not so bad. A couple of creaks and more aches and pains there. And Twitch Wednesday night is 80s night. Twitch.tv slash country code. He even appeared one time. It was fun. You might see me again at some point. <laughs> he may see, that's like a, like, a, like a comic book villain. Yeah. You might see me again. I'll be back. You just don't know when. GTA servers are shutting down in December. All of them? Every single one? No. For okay. 360 and PS3. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't... <laughs> didn't Everyone got panicked for a second. Didn't mean to make what? the butt clench if you're uh, into GTA. So, yeah. It's finally moving on. It's... I... I... <sighs> So this is for, the, obviously, uh, the GT uh, Grand Theft Auto Online. Um, it's had an incredibly long run. We were kind of talking about this a little bit last night. There wasn't even a GTA for the PS4 or Xbox One. I, well, I guess you could say GTA Online, but it's really just based on 5, and they kept adding stuff to it. But I guess that's where all the yeah. development time went to. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we actually ever get a GTA 6. But um, I think we're going to start seeing support for servers for ps3 and 360 games go down pretty quickly here i mean it's two generations behind at this point about 15 years for the 360 since it came out holy shit yeah to what 2006 that's nuts yeah. it's crazy there are people who are almost adults now who grew up with it they were five years old now they're drinking just about that tells weird, you how right? long i've been at luna because the 360 was like brand new when hot, i started at luna hotness. yeah exactly and that was the, the wii the wii was Hot just came out too. Yeah, the Wii's fifteen years old as well this year. Fives and zeros in the CU podcast. Fives and zeros, it's what we love. Yeah. That's nuts when you think about it. I was so, in my little garden apartment in Jersey. I feel less about this, I guess, than I do something like the online store, you know, going down. Um it's nice to have that access to the stuff you bought, but I can't expect companies to keep servers up forever for their online games. So they'll be up till September December. 
Oh, oh, this is oh, there's shark cards. What the hell are those? Shark cards are money cards. You'll be able to buy those until September fifteenth. Gotcha. However, you won't be able to get a refund or transfer your digital currency or virtual items to another platform. Oh, so yeah. spend wisely. And I also saw Max Payne three multiplayer is also going away. They also added that. I forgot that Max Payne is a is a is a property. It's a person that Rockstar has. Yeah, because they don't focus on anything else anymore besides GTA, basically. And a Red Dead game every five six years. That's that's what they got. So they bring back Midnight Club for God's sake. Can we get a Midnight Club? Come on, you're killing me. That's what everyone asks for in the store. I can't mm-hmm. take that much work and effort. To peel away a few of you know twenty people from your fucking huge team of GTA Online, come on! I got I got to beg for these games that I used to like, Unreal Tournament, Midnight Club. I'm like, come on, just just, just feed me something every every five ten years. That's all I'm asking. A little you, treat. You got money? Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a seal. Like give me a little fish. Give give uh, give me a sardine. I was gonna say give Pat a sardine. Or are you gonna say a sardine? Sardine. Is that what they feed seals? Uh, I no, actually, it's not I don't think it's sardines. It's, they're, like, they're like a bigger ones. Yeah, they're they're bigger. I don't. My know grandfather loved the sardine sandwich. Really? And with onions. And that's and that's like an old timey like Depression era thing. Obviously, that's. But sardines are good. It's also the, an Italian thing. I think, think so? it, it, Italy and Spain do all of that. Uh, like really fancy. Like I, there's a term for it now. I can't remember it. Like canned seafood. Okay. But like it's not like it's not like you would think like you know, like a can of tuna. No, it's like high quality shit. Yeah, it's like f- mussels it's and sardines and it's, it's a full uh, sardine. You buy sardines here. Right? You get yeah. a full sardines are a good protein source. Not not to talk about what my grandfather ate when he was 15, 16 years old. But like yeah. I feel like that's something we've lost as time has gone on. Our, 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 well, our, our desire to eat strong scented uh, things on on bread or sandwiches. My 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 dad's grandfather, according to my dad, used to always sit around and eat Limburger and onion on cracker. And it's like, are you just trying to find like well, the most potently potently like? My German grandfather loved liverwurst. Um, I actually like liverwurst. And my mom used to buy it a lot. And so one time she bought it, and it went bad. And there was fungus on it, and I never ate it again after that. Liverwurst and Braunschweiger, which I think is just a different kind of liver sausage. I never heard of that one. But liverwurst, for a good time in my childhood, you'd have a liverwurst sandwich. Not probably good to eat. You know, it's probably one of the worst lunch meats you can probably have in terms of, like, salt and fat content. It's so back. good, though. It was good, though, with cheese on it, you know? It liverwurst good. and mustard. Or mustard. Yeah, mustard. You can't, you can't put mayo. Ooh, no. Ah. No, no, no. Ooh. I know some people put mayo on bologna. I, I, one time I had, I had mayo on bologna. They are passing out sandwiches. It was like my friend... I had a friend named Conrad. Um, no, that was a little brother, Conrad. Uh, Vince. His name was Vince. And he had uh, two au pairs that, that um, took, took care of him. I would hang out with him a lot. Where are you, Vince? What happened to you? You're a little violent little kid, but I, we got along for a couple of years. Um, went to a park one time. And, the, you know, the two au pairs, they're probably, they're maybe South African. They had weird accents. I can't remember. I was like nine, uh, eight, nine. Went to the park, giving out sandwiches. He had a sister and a brother and me. And I bit into the sandwich, and it was bologna with mayo. And I mm. almost fucking threw up how awful bologna with mayo is. I can do mayo maybe on a ham sandwich. Not my preference. I can do it. I can't do it on bologna. Awful. Uh, I, I like I like mayo on a ham sub. On a ham sub? Uh, Slather that. Turkey breast is great with. Turkey breast uh, with Swiss. I, yeah. I, see, I like... I like Subs can be tough because uh, I do like mayo and the oil and vinegar on a ham sub, but you got to be light on the mayo. You can't have too no, much, otherwise no. it just turns into no. a, a disgusting soup. And then, and then it goes into then it, it gets the, the bun soaks it up, and you have a mayoey, soggy. No, 
Handheld Virtual Boy was <laughs> was made. People are like, oh, you guys are talking about video games. I don't care. Do the podcast forever. We're going to talk about whatever we, we want. We can talk about whatever we want. Yeah. You can come along for the ride or you don't have to. That's really how it is at the end of the day. Um, Shank mods are pals. Maybe they're our pal. I don't know. Maybe they hate us. Maybe they love is it us. A pal or pals? Is it pal, pal. pal. Uh, but uh, they did the. We talked about. We've talked about them before. They did the really cute Altoid tin. Uh, yeah, the Wii. name came up. I was like, that name sounds familiar. Shank mods, and that was like two years ago. They did the Altoid size Wii. Yep, <laughs> which is amazing. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we've talked about them more than that. But they now have done a uh, portable handheld Virtual Boy called the Real Boy, and I love the look of this thing. It's awesome um and if it's on the stand they yeah fit on the original stand too so they i you know i i'm not a technical person but they consolized it i uh, gave it a backlight Sorry. and um you know the way they set it up is great they use the two the d-pad and the two buttons that would be on the controller they put on the sides of it and it looks really nice it displays in red i thought i saw somewhere that you could change what color it displays in but i could be wrong on that i know a lot of emulators let you do that i have no idea if this lets you do it or not but it's very cool to see all the same yeah um obviously you cannibal- oh yeah you can you can change the color oh thank god so, yeah, so obviously he cannibalized a, a virtual boy but it's like oh well, you gotta you know Make make a, a real boy omelet. You got to break some virtual boy. I was going to say you got to gotta break some eggs to make an omelet. Break a virtual boy egg, um, and it goes through the like, microcontroller stuff in here. It's above my pay grade, testing stuff with voltmeters and, and what have you. And um, I wonder, in another another time and place, you know, if Nintendo ever acknowledges the virtual boy, which I don't think they ever have. Even in their in their little history of Nintendo stuff, they just don't even mention the Virtual Boy. Even as like, hey, we did a Virtual Boy, we screwed up. Could be funny. People laugh at. They don't even do that. Would there be a time where they would release just for funsies? Put it on the Switch Shop. Here's the Virtual Boy collection. You can play it. Like, why not? Here you go. Ten bucks. Here's like five Virtual Boy games. You know, something like that. I, I, I'm just shocked that like they wouldn't even try it. it would, just for the lulls, I think people would buy it. You know, and try it out. It, well, and the thing is, there are some good games on there. Like, it's not the games that are bad. You know, no, Nintendo it, made the games. There are some fun games on there. It's simply the system is a pain in the ass to use, and no it, one wants to it, do it. It would create buzz. It would get trending on Twitter if they did like in a, in a random say, say like at the you know they just did their, their Nintendo Direct E three. We have, oh here's the Virtual Boy thing, and here's the, the collection. People would be like, wow, Virtual Boy, that was a colossal failure, Nintendo, your biggest ever. Uh, but it it would be a jokey thing, but I think people would. You you gotta go back to even your bad history and sort of like mine it a little bit, in my opinion. You know? Yeah, I now that I'm thinking about it, I'm trying to think if they even like included anything Virtual Boy related in like the statues in uh, Smash Brothers Melee or the spirits in Smash Brothers Ultimate. I mean, they pull from a lot of history there, and I'm oh, I'm struggling to that. think of something. You even got you got you got Mr. Game and Watch as a character, so they they, they love the Game and Watch. That's what you know opened them up. Uh, you know, help open up the whole video game. A world to them even more even before the arcades hit it big for them was game and watch so i mean like yeah no not <laughs> that's an that was an embarrassment to them you know well what are you gonna do right uh so apparently there is a telero boxer oh. harry from telero boxer is the only spirit to represent a virtual boy game in ultimate oh there really one <laughs> one so telero boxer did he work on that I think at all the guy's doing smash. What the hell's his name? Uh, Sakura. Did he work on Teller? I have no idea. Maybe he did. 
Well, now I'm looking at the Wikipedia. I don't think so. Maybe one of his friends did and said, hey, can you put it in here for me? Right. No, he didn't work on it. I'm looking but, at it. Yeah, that's, I don't know. That's funny. That's funny. The only one. Just a robot spirit that yeah. shows up or you can get or whatever. What is it? Spirit, you don't know what the spirits are? I, I don't, I, I don't They're know. like, you, you have the game. They're enhancement cards that you attach to your character in the adventure mode to give yourself boosts and I, stats. I played it for like three days, Ultimate, I think. I played Kirby. Yeah, can you start with Kirby? Yeah, I played it. I didn't play multiplayer. No, I tried to play multiplayer. I don't think I got a good connection. All right. Super Mario widescreen. So Super Mario World got a ROM hack. No. It's available for download. <laughs> um, natively enhanced to work with modern screens. The true. This is from uh, Hacker Villella on Twitter. Um, the true 2021 gaming experience mixed with the wonderful 1990 gaming golden age. You can download it on GitHub before Nintendo's ninjas uh, put a put a, a, a throwing star into his face. So it's amazing. Uh, turn the audio off there. It's amazing that people, you know, are, are so awesome that they could do stuff like this. I, I would think this obviously be a game to game sort of hack. You could answer this isn't one size fits all unless some. some no, well, absolutely not. Um, but it's amazing because like you like you're looking at the intro screen of Super Mario, which we've all seen a billion times, and now you're seeing extra stuff on the left and right, and like that's really interesting. Yeah, I haven't right. had a chance to check this out yet, but I we mentioned it. Um, a few weeks back when we talked about the Sonic Origin collection, I'm actually very excited to see Sonic in widescreen. Um, this will be fun to check out. So this was developed, uh, you know, with the intent of being used on PCs, but apparently you can, um, uh, via RetroArch, you can also play it on several pl- flat f- platforms using the BSNES beta, HD beta core. Beta. So, okay. Um, so you can play it on an emulator. It's very cool. I doubt it would, it would it would destroy your your flash cart though. <laughs> it probably would. Yeah, no, I don't think that would be. Good. I, would, I wouldn't recommend that. I probably would not play play right. Uh, yeah, brought up with the Sonic. That you know, it's good to have you see more stuff left and right. Uh, Super, you know, Super Mario doesn't go as fast as as Sonic does. It's probably not as necessary, but it's like I said, it's still it's ingenious. Well, it's a very gorgeous game too, and getting to see oh, more good. of that while you're playing is fantastic. Yeah. I'm guessing then they probably also had it like even when you usually hit stuff off screen, you hear it. So there's probably some code in the game where it's like, well, it knows where the shells are on the enemies. Yeah, because even the original Super it's Mario, it's got to keep track of that. Even the original stuff. Super Mario Brothers, you hit stuff off screen. You mm-hmm. hit, you heard it, hit it. So like the game knows the stuff is there. Now we just see it. It's brilliant, Ian. It's brilliant. These people are, are smarter than me. It's fantastic. Um, people, speaking of people smarter than me, um, I had a, I, I remember what I said, Ian, about. We, we covered the Intellivision Amico uh, E3, how it's going to be a weird turning point in yes, terms of coverage. And it, and it has been. And it happened three, four days after w- w- us talking about it. We, we're starting to get more and more mainstream media coverage now that did not exist before. Before, it was just idiots like, like me and you and other YouTubers following this and not really anyone else besides random articles here and there. But now we have respected game journalists, uh, you know, uh, throwing down their opinions on it and talking about some of the things that don't line up. Um, you know, cats out of the bag. You can't control the narrative on your console forever. 
Uh, and much like when the information was first released about the Amico and we covered it and we had, you know, Tommy scrambling into mentions to try to control things or say things that were said directly on their website or in their presentations were wrong or no longer accurate because mm-hmm. they realized suddenly it didn't sound or, good or wasn't going or to sell their system. criticizing people for not knowing things that weren't on the website. Right. Um, before we get into it, I, I, one of the things that drives me craziest about this is uh, but Tommy, by doing this, has basically said that the official channels uh, that you can get information on this from are, are useless. I mean, that that's what he's doing by arguing this in every comment section and in, in every Twitter thread is saying that what we have seen is not what we've seen and we need something else. Which, I don't know, that's, I mean, if I'm the person who's putting together these presentations or these uh these things for him. Um, I got to feel like I'm being thrown under the bus constantly. Uh, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. So yeah, now it's, it's going to, so uh, Jeff Gersman from giant bomb, they highly respected game journalist. I have been around, been around the industry for, I think 20 years. I tried to watch it. I, at work, I kept getting interrupted. So I only saw like the first three minutes of it, but apparently he did not have much good to say about it. Oh no, the giant bomb cast, uh, folks, uh, Ooh, uh, yeah, they did not did not have positive things to say. One of the things that I did notice that they said early on that I was happy someone pointed out was how ridiculous it was for Tommy to be like, I'm so proud to be part of this. Like, And they were like, why? You paid for it. Well, one, that's one of the things that drives me craziest about this in television messaging is um, how uh, they act like everything. They really pump up every like license they get like it's going to legitimize them and like they came to them to work it's, with them but they didn't you're buying licenses you're buying time at e3 anyone can do that if they want to it doesn't make you special it's a constant scramble for legitimacy and to know that we belong we belong see we have this we belong we belong it's real right. and it gets tired and i mean down uh, to the point where like and this is you know this is one of those things that happened like six seven months ago and people aren't going to remember it always but i think one of the most ridiculous things was the announcement that they were partnering with tops for their uh, gift cards or something like that. Or, yeah. It's like, great, you found Tops is providing you with your gift cards. You're, it's not like they begged you to join the, the yeah, Intellivision Amico paying, team. You're paying Tops to produce your cards. It's, it's, it's like saying you're partnering, you're partnering with McDonald's to get a Big Mac. It's like, no, no, you're not, you're no. Not, you're not partnering. They're giving you a product You're buying for a Big Mac from McDonald's. Yes. <laughs> We're partnering with McDonald's for a, a large fry. <laughs> exactly. So... Now you have game journalists that have been around the block for decades that have seen the highs and lows of the industry. They've gone to E3s in person since potentially the 90s. They know how this works, this game works. Now you have respected journalists commenting on this. That they, they, I, Jeff Gerson was following this before. Based upon what he was saying, he's been following this behind the scenes. I think a lot of game journalists have been following this behind the scenes, but just probably didn't think it was proper to comment on it until now when e- e3 had their big presentation uh, you know they had a big, big, big presentation and now it's a public it's more a publicly known entity their big coming out party yes Ian. i don't know why you use that expression um so uh <laughs> so like 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 it's a difference between when like little youtubers talking to tommy that's not going to be covered by game journalists because it's not it's not official, first of all. Second of all, it's not worth their time or they don't know about it, right? It's not even, it's not even probably, they don't probably know about it that, you know, we've been commenting on this for now, you know, uh, it's going to be almost four years come, come this fall that we, we, this was first was announced. So, but now it's worth their time. Now it's at E3. 
everyone else saw this. They have to comment on him now, and they will start following more. So there was a lot of tweets um, about this, and most of them were not good in terms of the ones that got the most reception. Uh, and Ars Technica, uh, he's been in the industry since the 90s, uh, Sam Makovich talked about what we talked about, about how it was weird to have Photoshopped images of stock photos of, of Photoshopping your controller and, and getting rid of Microsoft or Sony commercials, how weird that was and how that did not give you confidence in potentially the product. See, and- I, don't, so I don't think that that's really the, the biggest thing. People do use stock photos. But the one thing I want to point out to people who are constantly pointing out that this is something that's done is when Nintendo doctors a photo or Sony doctors a photo for an advertisement – it's reasonable to assume that it, it's it's going it, it's a truthful representation of something because they have a track record. Well, these, television people, no longer because these people are too smiley in their pictures or they're having too much fun. Is that why? Uh, no, what I'm just saying is is and television doesn't have a track record. No, Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, a lot of these companies that do this have a track record. You want to see from a company that does not have a track record. You want to see real legitimate stuff. I don't think though that Nintendo, Microsoft, or Sony. Photoshopped out their competitors' products and image. I'd be shocked if you showed. I'm that just saying that this is what people do with stock photos, and I'm oh, sure. I'm giving my yeah, like Amazon, for... like Amazon. You see someone like I don't know. They have like a potato chip clip, and you see someone smiling with their bag of potato chips. But, that's fine, but that's a product that already exists for sale. Usually, when you see that stock photo, yes. and a, a, again, this is a video game system. It's a little more complicated uh, than, that, than that to me. However, um, our friend Frank Cifaldi said. Uh, and I agree with this more in response to that. I'd look into the 11 million in investment claims that seem to include non-committal pledges and 100% refundable pre-order revenue, game footage that hasn't changed since E3 2019, and a revolving door of people on the team before I look into uses stock photos. Well, so sounds like Frank knows some more potentially behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, all you have to do is look at the the footage, and you see that nothing has really changed. Revolving door people on the team. I'd love to know what engineers came and went. Um, you, well, you, that's right. You commented. He probably saw the same thing you saw. Like you saw the Night Stalker footage. You said, I don't think that's, that's different footage of, of Night Stalker. I don't know. So, um, But I think, you know, revolving door. That's Perrin Kaplan. I don't think we haven't heard about her in ages. She was supposed to be on the team. That was the Nintendo one? That was the Nintendo one. Nintendo um, and Jay Allard. Oh, he's gone. Jay Allard. Jay, Jay, I, I checked Jay Allard's LinkedIn. I don't think he has Intellivision on his LinkedIn. Like he didn't have it on that, right? That he was that he worked. But some of these people, some of the, these people that he loved, he loved to tout. We haven't seen since that first big video that was, you know, more of a, a an investor pitch than anything. Yeah. Either way, this this is like I said, it's going to get weirder and weirder. And now instead of like Tommy just you know sicking his his little little uh, insulated cult members on us, he's been he's going to try to sick them on these. Um, Journalists, and it ain't gonna work. They're not gonna like bow to that. We didn't bow to any of that, but like those these these ta- these mob type tactics are not gonna work with like uh, IGN or Gamespot or Ars Technica or Polygon or Kotaku. It ain't gonna work. Well, whether or not the stock photos is a sticking point when there's other, lots of other things to look at. One of the responses I I, I was happy to see. Um, Sam Makovich's response to Tommy trying to do that, Tommy immediately tried to pull his classic card, which was, hey, get a hold of me. We can do an interview. He always wants to do stuff on his terms in a private setting where he can control the narrative. Sure. He always wants to hit you with some insider info or some a behind-the-scenes behind yeah. sneak peek of something. Schmooze you up. Yeah. And uh, he's like, 
no, I'm happy to talk online until you have review hardware to send. And that was the response that I'd like to see. And that's, that's Tom, Tommy's not used to that. Uh, these are all people who are so connected to Tommy and truly believe he's their friend. And, you know, I, he's not, he's not expecting real journalists to push back. He hasn't had that yet because he's just dealing with small time YouTubers. Yeah. Send you a, a sweatshirt and that gets you on my good side. And, you know, yes, I don't go. think I'm a journalist, nor have I ever claimed to be. I'm just a talking head. You're talking. We're talking heads. Not, not the band, though. Talking heads. Yeah, I think I think he straight up asked Tommy in there, is this going to come out in the Twitter thread? He didn't get a response. Is this going to come out in October? Right. <laughs> and uh, Oh, Tommy. No, Tommy said that he gave a quick response and said that he could source. Uh, they have until end oh. of July to source the parts. Okay. Um, I would love them to get the parts because then I think we'll see that there's nothing, that nothing has been done on the. I think, I think what it comes down to. The it, games front. Is the, yeah, the games. I think at this point. If if we if we're still seeing the same footage of games over the past couple of years, there should be uh, investors and people that pre-ordered should should hold in television and Tommy's feet to the fire and say, okay, how complete are these games you are showing us? Are these demos? Are these proof of concepts? What are these at this point? How many of these games are actually a hundred percent complete and ready to go? Because if this was to come out last October, hardware doesn't matter. Like well, the game should still be being worked on and being completed. And I, I I'm sorry. Tommy, that I don't have an accurate number here. Uh, you can correct me if I'm off by one or two, but I'm pretty sure if, like the game system was supposed to launch with like 45 or 50 games. Then they dropped to 35, and then the last thing I heard was 29. So they're even starting to cut down the amount of games this thing was supposed to launch with. But even the but even the la- you know even the packing games are they complete? Like these are things we have to know or or should know before this comes out. Like you'd ha- you'd throw money at the software even if the hardware was not. Because, hey, we can't produce it. Great. You still have money from investors, private and on Republic. You still have pre-order money. Great. Use that money to complete the fucking games. Pay the devs to complete the games. Show off. How about how about some, uh, you know, how about like a first, the first, you know, I can't say 20-minute walkthrough. There's no game in Amico that lasts 20 minutes. But, like, how about a walkthrough of some of these games that you have? How about a demo of Cornhole playing a complete game with, with you know, with, a, with like four people? Why aren't we seeing these videos? At all. If this is supposed to come out in October, you would think that you would, especially if it's, there's motion controls and things that you, in a packing game, like one that they're really promoting, yeah. you'd think that you might see like a demo of it actually being played. This is how it works. I want cornhole being played. I want to see the cornhole. With controllers, good. not a phone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we could do that at some point. So, all right. Well, that, that's about it. It's like I said, it's a weird turning point. It's going to get weirder. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a bumpy summer and fall, I think, when it comes to this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Ian, uh, the fine folks at Blaze sent us uh, both uh, an Evercade handheld. Yeah. Uh, review copies. Thanks to them for doing that. Uh, so, And we played them, and we're going to give our thoughts and a review of it. They also sent us uh, a few extra games besides the three packed in the box. So we got... Some game, some game carts, some multi, multi carts. So I, I will say, I mean, we're this is a year after it came out. We're not exactly on 
on the uh, the cutting edge here, but it's oh. important to bring up because some of my concerns, I think, with the system are actually being addressed uh, in the, the months going forward. And we can bring up. Um, so I, I, when the Evercade was announced, I honestly just thought it was another, uh, I'm going to be honest, another garbage emulation device. Didn't really have a whole lot of interest in it. Um, I thought that they were doing cartridges was neat. Sure. Um, it came out. Immediately, there were some less than stellar reviews. Uh, the buttons were backwards, etc. The B and A were swapped. But uh, Blaze, to their credit, uh, got a firmware update out very quickly that fixed that, so that the B and A were were normal again. Um, the unit itself, from what I, my experience with the actual unit, is that it's pretty solid. It's I like, solid. I like the way it feels. Does it, does um, it I like feel the cheap? buttons. I love the D pad. I adore the D pad. Um, adore the D-pad. The buttons feel nice. The shoulder buttons are a little like Sega Saturn-y clicky. I'm not, I'm not like great on those. Um, but it's a nice looking unit and, uh, it feels well built. If you look online, you'll see some reviews that say they've had problems with it. But one thing that I've noticed throughout uh, my research into the Evercade is apparently their customer service is fantastic. If you have a problem, they send you out a new unit just about immediately, um, so that there's no issues. Um, I like the way the cartridges look, and I like the way the cartridges fit yeah, in the, the back of the system. Yeah, at first I was like, what, what direction this goes in? I was like, okay, it makes sense. You see it from the front when you put it in, and when you slide it in, it completes the form factor of the back of the case. And, but it still, has the, 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 it still has nicely the name on the back. I mean, that's pretty cute. It's smart yeah. to do that. So I like, I, I like that about it. Um, the games themselves, this is where... Oh, I was going to talk about the console okay. real quick. Go for um, it. It's a 4.3-inch L, uh, LCD. Uh, importantly, you could uh, keep it at four three ratio or widescreen. Even though you know, uh, it's, I mean, there's in theory that some of these games, especially the newer ones like the Homer ones, can be potentially, I guess, in widescreen. But it's good to have that option. Yeah, it's not you're not locked into the widescreen LCD because obviously they're not, probably not manufacturing small LCDs that are four three anymore. No. They're probably all sixteen nine. That's good to me. The buttons were fine. Uh, I usually don't like the glassier buttons, but they were fine. The D-pad, I, I wasn't as in love with it with Ian, but it was fine uh, for me. I still don't like circular D-pads with, with a passion, but it played fine. I played Mappy Kids fine, which I'll get into. I like that the start and select buttons are easily accessible right below the, the four buttons. Uh, I didn't use a game with the triggers at all. And the volume was pretty loud. Uh, I almost I almost wish there was one setting lower than the lowest because the lowest setting is pretty loud on there. Speaker is fairly beefy for something like this. Yeah, and and uh, there's an HDMI mini out. I didn't use that, and and there's a is a, a headphone out as well. Battery life I looked up online it was between uh, like four and five hours. For, I think I was getting like three and a half with with heavy play. Or using uh, bright, like brightness. I was using the brightest setting. Okay, that's yeah. why. So that's I usually don't like high spread. I usually go like middle low for my brightness like myself i like super bright so yeah uh substantial all right games games seem to be an interesting collection of what's available to license and then they go from there and they curate it into you know sometimes fairly interesting packs um i didn't think this was where the evercade kind of fell apart for me in its initial um pitch was that a lot of it like the namco there's uh, the namco cartridges which i believe are actually only available in the uk um a lot of it was nes versions of games and i'd rather have the arcade versions of games sure but in practice um honestly picking up and playing the uh, nes version of mappy for a little while scratches my itch for mappy um it, it, it's fine uh they also put some interesting titles on there that you wouldn't normally see like star luster uh got put on there which is kind of like a um uh, Star Raiders clone. 
uh, by Namco. That was Famicom only. Never got a U.S. release. They brought that over here. Uh, and then Mappy Kids, which was the first Famicom game I ever owned. Uh, there's actually an official translation of it now yeah. on the cartridge. It's the first, you know, first official translation. On the Namco Museum Collection One. Um, and that's not the only game they've done that with. I believe they did it with Magical Drop 2 as well on the Data East collection. It's the first version that was translated into English. I don't think it has all the story mode stuff. But still, it's interesting to see that they're taking these games from other companies that never had an official release over here, doing the translation that's yeah. necessary, and bringing it over. Yeah, that's why it, it, it touched on something I didn't think, I guess I didn't appreciate or realize when they announced something like this, is that they are they're not just grabbing whatever they can, but like you said, like they're putting out something for the first time here. We never had a chance to play, like the Mappy Kids, which I, which I did play. I'm like, that's interesting because you're getting the spotlight stuff that people weren't aware of that, for whatever reason, didn't come out. And that's an interesting part of the equation, which I guess one of the reasons maybe why people are, are liking this. And there's, there's a growing ecosystem, obviously. And there's some neat stuff on there, like the Atari cartridge puts Yars Return on there, which is uh, like a, a sequel that was made for the flashback in 2005, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the, and it's not good, but the uh, prototype for Tempest on the Atari 2600 is on there. So it's not just, it, it's not just, um, it, it's not just the games that you know. Sure. Um, I do think that there are some redundancies between the two Atari cartridges because I did order the second one. Um, okay. Uh, that, you know, like, so on the first Atari cartridge, you have the 2600 version of a couple of games. Well, on the second one, you get the 7800 version of a couple of games. I see. A little bit. Why, why don't I just put them both in the same pack? Uh, or, or skip yeah. the 2600 version if we're going to get repeats. Why don't um, I just say put them in the same one? 2700, like centipede on the same So you can car. compare them, sure. Yeah. But uh, I, I, that, that's, that small, feels small, like filler. Small potatoes. That feels like filler. Um, what I am most excited about this system for though is not the pre-existing collections uh the the the, the stuff that's 15 20 years old um although that's fun uh it's a neat way to see indie developers get their games on physical cartridges and spotlighted on a handheld or on a system that's different than what they normally are Uh, and that uh, to that to that credit i um i have spent a lot of time with the mega cat studios uh, cartridge since we got now mega cat studios they've done games like they, they're a publisher and a developer but they also so they some of these games they've developed some of them were developed by outside um studios uh but games like uh coffee clash uh coffee crisis uh, coffee crisis um which is fairly well known as a homebrew um there's Genesis a couple beat em up yeah. yep there's a couple more beat em ups on there uh, there's that little Medusa game, Log Jammers, which was a popular um, kind of like Wind Jammers for the NES sure. game was on there. A lot of little puzzlers, but it's a really good way to get like a taste of the modern indie scene. And that is like, especially sure. like the the homebrew scene. And, and, and that and, is what they're doing because these are emulators at this point that are, you know, included on the cartridges that are running these. So you're getting an idea of what the NES homebrew scene, the Super Nintendo homebrew scene, the Genesis homebrew scene, you're getting a, a snapshot yeah. of all of that. And they get a physical release, which is cool. These are not games big enough to obviously do like limited run, you know, but like they're... Well, Mega Cat does physical releases of them. Um, yeah, that's true. But maybe not for some of the other ones. Uh, you're right about that. Uh, but they're also doing look at the indie stuff. Uh, indie Heroes Collection is coming out. Yeah, that one I'm, I would like I, to pick I up. I got to see where's the game list on that here. Um, you got games like uh, Doodle World, Alien Cat 2, uh, Kubo 3. I'm not familiar with these. Maybe you are. Twin Dragons, Ployed, Deader, Quest, Quest Arrest. 
So you, you get a bunch of, you know, a chance to see, see some. Uh, oh, okay, that one looks, Twin Dragons looks adorable. You get some 8 and 16-bit sort of games. And, oh, that's a Game Boy game, Dadius. Here, okay. Yeah, there's some of the the Game the Boy homebrews on okay. there there too. So with nice all of these cartridges, you see them uh, attacking different systems as well. So when you start seeing, like, it's exciting to see this Indie Heroes collection that has some of these Game Boy games on there because then you're like, well, what else can they license from Game Boy that we might sure. see on here in the future? You could get a Game Boy pack maybe if they get, you know. Um, one right. thing that I would really like to see is PC Engine stuff. Oh. Um, there is that Namco Collection oh. Cart 2 that I, I I bought that one, too. I bought two carts. I bought that one. Um, actually, I bought three. I'll get into the other one in a minute. Uh, because that one has Splatterhouse 2 and 3 on it, but not one. Yeah, was, I, know, I noticed like that. like if you had, if you got PC Engine emulation going on here, it would be awesome I, to I, have all three of yeah. those on, on one cart. I noticed that. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's weird to have two and three, but not you know, one. I was like, hmm. Mm. Yeah. Or, you know, it would have been cool to maybe see Wanpaku Graffiti translated since they've already brought over some other Namco stuff. That would have been cool to see on that cartridge. Mm-hmm. So obviously I can I can complain about, you know, selection. We we all have perfect collections in our head. Sure. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's usually these are like $20 for a collection. Well, I, I think they're With a protective bucks. case. Yeah, uh, the, you know. <laughs> Which uh, I like, by the way. Obviously this is... And it stayed in when I dropped it. Look at that. It works. They, uh... They're really appealing to collectors here. Yeah. Plastic clamshells, full-color manuals. Uh, definitely should point out full-color manuals. Oh, yeah. It's not something manuals. you get in even, you know, AAA $60 games anymore. Yeah, um, it's adorable. And, you know, the collections they go through, and they usually tell you just a little bit of info about them. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I went into the... I, I, my whole experience with the Evercade was like, this is definitely not my thing. But I've found that it's pretty... Pretty conducive to picking up and playing. Uh, I say this, and I mean this the nicest way possible. Uh, this this could take the place of the Reader's Almanac in the uh, or the Reader's Digest in the bathroom. Oh, okay. You know, put an Evercade on the back of your toilet. <laughs> have a little have a little uh, toilet toilet paper holder, but you have an Evercade stand right next to it so you can pick. <laughs> uh, if Evercade is listening, I, I do have one suggestion. I do have a dream cartridge, and it's oh. one that I feel like that should be doable. Um, I would love a. Activision Atari collection. Oh, that's yeah. That's An Activision that. Atari collection would probably never leave my Evercade. It's, it's exactly what I'm looking for. As of right now, I'm, so I played a lot of Yars Revenge last night. Okay, um, that's on the Atari collection Our too. Pal, but Howard, Howard Scott Warshaw. What's uh, one of my favorite video games of all time? Thank you, Howard Scott Warshaw. Howard's the best. Um, it's just so good. That game is so good. Anyway, uh, so, you, so your wish, wish list is PC Engine Turbo games. I agree. That'd be great. I would love to see that. Um, love to see an Activision cartridge, and I would really like to see uh just more modern indie stuff. That's what I would like to see. I think that's, I I think after a while you're gonna you 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 can't go back to the well is only so deep in terms of stuff that you can publish yeah. on these cartridges that people want. Um, so I think modern indie and homebrew is definitely going to be uh the future for this or one of the futures. The other thing that they've announced in this takes care of a lot of the concerns I, I mentioned with these carts. They are doing arcade cartridges. They are starting oh, to thank they, you. Thank this, you, this year, and it's not a lot of those I don't think come out until October or November, but I think there's a Data East arcade cartridge. Uh, there's going to be a Technos arcade cartridge, and I think oh, one a, other a company. Data, a Data East arcade cartridge is huge because there's no way I'd play Bad Dudes NES over the arcade version. Oh, it's awful. But the uh, Data East arcade cartridge, uh, I think, has Sly Spy on it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Um, Thank you. The, so underrated. Here we go. What's that one going to have? 
Because, yeah, I saw that one and I was like, see, this is the one that I think Pat would enjoy. So it'll have Bad Dudes vs. Dragon Ninja, Breakthrough, Burger Time, Chain Reaction, Sly Spy, Lock and Chase, Darwin 4078, Dark Seal, Tumble Pop, and Wizard Fire. So, like, that's... I want that. I will not fire up the Burger Time that's on the Data East cart that's now because the it's the NES version. I wonder if they can do a Neo Geo emulator on there to do that. That'd be cool. I don't know. I've, cool. I've heard that they can get up to 32-bit. I don't know what the, what this thing can actually yeah, do. It, like, it has save states on this, obviously. The one thing I'd like to add, you mentioned they might be adding it, is remapping buttons. Um, so the only thing I was, I was playing, uh, what was I playing? Xevious, I believe. I was surprised that you know the A and B buttons, which, which are like the, you know, the B and A NES buttons are on here, but it's at the up, angle going up to the right. Uh, I would love to have used the X and A buttons for my B and A. It's more comfortable on the thumbs, especially sure. if you're, hitting two buttons at once and there's no like option to do turbo so i was like okay you're only using two out of six buttons why not use the triggers for turbo so that's the only thing give me a remapping and a turbo option i'd have no complaints at all sure that's it i mean it's an emulator so in theory you should be able to maybe potentially add that in and that's it when it comes to yeah so thanks to uh, evercade for sending us this out you know maybe we'll we'll see the see your podcast version at some point we'll get we'll get the complete unnecessary console uh handheld version We'll do, we'll do, we'll do the uh, the Patney and multi cart, which would be like I don't know all the Mappy games, uh, Rolling Thunder, Sly Spy. We have to, it'd be a mix up though between all the all different publishers. Yeah, it would be costly. We probably could do just a Namco one with enough, enough Namco games, most likely to fit on there. You're like let's see, we do like Galaga, uh, Mappy. That's on Namco too. Uh, do like, well, it, yes, I, I I know what you're saying. We we'll do all the ones we like Rolling Thunder. We get to the collection like the handful of ones we like there. All right, thanks, Blaze. Appreciate it. They don't do many product reviews, but uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a good one out there. And, and by the way, it's, it's not super expensive either. You get the I think you need like the premium. Let's see, yeah, the premium. Uh, so in the US, the premium pack is the system, the Data East cartridge, the Atari One cartridge, and Interplay collection. And so hundred bucks, hundred bucks. So the system in three carts. Um, I don't know what the standard units are on their own anymore. I think in the UK they were like forty pounds. So it's, I mean, it's a really reasonably priced system if you need something to pick up and play. Sure. There you go. And it's a proof that I, I mean, I, I can change my opinion on things. All right, Ian, we have a, we got a Patreon poll. How do you access the Patreon? Patreon.com slash CU podcast. You go, you give money. I do writings. I do hangouts. We do the full video podcast and we do these polls. We do. And this was a close one. This was a close one. A 55-45 split. As close as it can get. I'll give you the eyebrow raise. In second place, arcade games you could not beat as a child that others could. Uh, 45%. In first place, at 55%, retro games slash consoles you regretted selling. I'll start with Ian since he's probably sold a lot more than me uh that he <laughs> that he probably looks back and be, okay i can probably regret uh selling stuff like that so what is, what was the question i'm sorry retro games that we regret slash selling? consoles oh, retro regret, games slash selling. consoles that we regret selling so anything retro you regret it selling um i i do think back sometimes to some of my nes stuff and i wish maybe i'd held on to a couple of those cartridges i don't know why i wish i'd maybe held on to shatterhand Oh, that's a decent game. That's a really good game. I like it. I, I don't need it, but Four there stars. are some. Yeah, there are some games that I, I maybe would have um, liked to have held on to. Uh, but other than that, no. My answer oh. to this is I've actually been pretty good about what I have gotten rid of, and I sit on things for so long and hem and haw about them that does it I, hurt? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, that when I it does come time to selling stuff, I really don't regret it. 
Um, I'm pretty good about selling my stuff off when I've made the decision to get rid of it and I stick with it. I do regret getting rid of um, two of the Game & Watches I used to have, though. Oh, okay. I'll count that as a video game for this topic. I uh, had the Mickey Mouse Panorama Game & Watch. Okay. Uh, it's an extremely rare Game & Watch. Oh, why'd you sell it, then? Um, at the time, I needed money, and it had a burnt-out lamp. Uh, oh. So one of like one of the little segments was like it wouldn't light up anymore. Uh, very small error. Holy shit, it's going for a lot of money. What is it worth now? Well, let's see. Well, one's on eBay right now with two days left at five hundred dollars in the box. That's going to go for probably a grand at least. Yep. But I think I think like a lot of these went up in, in price. And then let's see, completed listings. Um, I can't find a completed listing, so it's hard to find. You're right. But it was, uh, you know, I, I've talked about how like the NES games that I've kept were ones that were gifts from parents or grandparents or something like that. Stuff with sentimental value attached to it. Um, I, there was some sentimental value attached to that uh the mickey mouse one that i wish i hadn't gotten rid of my aunt gave it to me i got along with her great my great aunt she's no longer with us um and i'm kind of bummed i got rid of it you know i mean at the time i needed the money it was shortly after i moved out here uh you know and california's expensive and i was you know kind of getting my footing and i sold it for i think two i think even with the problem i was able to sell it for like 250 and it's like in the grand scheme of things how long does 250 bucks last in California? You know, I, I got rid of something that I genuinely liked for not a lot of money, and I'm sure I needed it for rent or something. But I don't know. As time goes on, that is that is a sale that I genuinely regret making. I wish I still had that. And even if I got a brand new one, it's still not the one that I got, you know, when I was a kid. It's not like I'm trying to get another one of these Mickey panoramas. It's not going to replace the one that I got rid of. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably the big one that I regret getting rid of. I didn't regret it at the time. Obviously it's like, well, there are NES games. You can get them back. When I sold all my NES stuff, when I was probably, oof, I want to say by the time I was 13, I was done with the NES 12. You had Super Nintendo, you had computer games with CD-ROM technology. Why are you playing the NES still at that point? Basically, basically that's what I thought. So I sold, um, I believe, I believe there was a yard sale my, with my grandma. Also, also where I sold almost all my GI Joes, and that I regret. Even though I probably have most of them rebought nowadays, that was bad looking back. Because those I I treated my GI Joes with respect. I kept all the the wep- I never lost the weapons. I kept really I, even when I sold them. I That's put them impressive. All, yeah, because and I had like out of all the toys I had, I had the most GI Joes because they were cheaper. I had like forty to forty GI Joes. I had forty to fifty. I had GI Joes. Um, so, maybe, not, maybe not 50. Yeah, 30 to 40 I had. And um, I even wrapped up all the weapons with them nice and gave them to a good home. Like, the, here's the weapons with them, you know. So, but I remember selling my NES games, I believe, in console there. I think I sold the console probably like 93, 92 is when I sold the console. I got a yard sale. The games, I, I think some went with that and some went to Funko Land, uh, I believe, uh, or that UVT, which was the local, more local-ish store that I told you would 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 either say, no, we want this, or no, we don't. They wouldn't just give you a cent. They'd say, no, we don't want this. You know, and that's where I, you know, I think where I told, I told you I, I bought, and, and that's where I, I traded in, I think, even my Turbo games there. And, and I think I might have bought a used Turbo game there. I forget. So I regretted that, but not to a huge extent until I started collecting in college. But then at that point, it was so cheap to buy NES stuff in college. It didn't matter that much. So that wasn't a huge regret. The biggest regret I have, though, is something that would be worth nowadays probably 
three to four thousand dollars um, that my cousin got from their neighbor, and the cousin gave to me um, to not necessarily sell, but they didn't want it. It wasn't worth a huge amount at the time we know of. It, that was the Imagination Machine, which was a computer module add-on for the APF MP1000 console, which no one had mm-hmm. the MP1000. No one ha- no one has it. No one covers it. No one knows about it. You know what I mean? It's, it was a small, gaudy color console with bad controllers, you know, yes. keypad and bad joysticks. I have it in the box, of course, but not a lot of people do. Got, I got mine in the box at, at a Goodwill, shop Goodwill auction like 10, 12 years ago. Got it for like 40 bucks. It probably worth several hundred in the box. But the Imagination Machine is interesting because you have a computer module made for a console that no one had. And APF was a, was a was a big company. They put out so many Pong clubs yeah, in the 70s. They, were, they, 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 they didn't ton. do like anything after that, but... I mean, they probably petered out with the game crash. But yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're a decent-sized company with like Coleco, you know, and, and Magnavox putting those out. So I had the Imagination Machine via my cousin. It had like the original shipping box. It wasn't like an actual, but it was like a shipping box that it came in. It had the printer. I don't know if there was a, an, an APF rated printer, but there was a printer. It had all like the basic cartridges in the box. It had the bigger folder stuff for like here's like the spelling program, here's the word processor. I mean, it had like this person that got this, Ian, bought everything with it. They got everything. Right. This, this, there was an older couple at the time. They're probably like 60 or 70. They're probably like 40 when they got it. This was like 2004 when I had it or 2003. Uh, so it had the printer, it had the shipping box, it had all the instructions, it had everything. And then, so I said, I'll put up an auction, and I was going to give my cousin a cut, even though I wasn't required. He said he got it for me. I'll give him a cut uh, of it. Um, so it ended up going to, I think, some computer museum. In, I believe I shipped it to Germany or somewhere in Europe. I did not realize how much interest would be in this. I, I mean, I, I knew that it was obviously a rare thing, but it's a stupid computer module. Uh, for the MP1000. It's like, who cares about this? And it ended up going there. I think it, it sold for tons of bids. It didn't go for a huge amount looking back. I think it was like, it was maybe $600 or $700, which surprised me at the time. It was mm-hmm. that surprising? Uh, but now... It's got to be a oh, shitload more now. Well, the last one on eBay, which I put I put here, uh, the last one, because these things come up only like once a year, twice. One went just, just the console itself... Uh, excuse me, the computer with the console, which kind of is kind of built in, and a basic cartridge, just that, and the and the uh, and the adapter. Oh, and it's right, the tape. That's right, the tape player is built into it. Just that, it went for twelve twenty. Just the the bare computer. And I just told you, I had everything. I had all the software. I I still have software laying around. I think I have four in the box game cards that don't go for a lot. Like I mean, I had the actual uh, tape software, and that stuff you can't find. So if that thing nowadays, if this went for twelve hundred dollars, what I had said was probably worth three, four thousand dollars. And it's not just the money part; it's something that's so incredibly rare that even by I say two or three years later, as I got more and more into game collecting in general versus just NES, looking at you know, two years later, I was like, I should have kept that thing. I'm never going to see that again. I've never seen an imagination. That's not something that's replaceable. I don't think it's, I've not, se- it's I, not coming back. I don't think I've seen an imagination machine at any game convention I've ever gone to. No, I don't think I have. I don't think I have. Even going to Portland, they have people that have old old computers. I don't. I never seen it. That I I think I might have seen estimate at one estimate at one point. They might have not made over a a thousand or two thousand of these things. Like they just, what's the market for this? They didn't sell that many of the consoles. 
you know, and, and you kind of need the, you know, actually you don't need the console to use the computer part, but it's a part of it. It's an add-on for it. So yeah, it's just a weird thing. And that's my biggest regret because like, you'd be, I'd be stupid to sell something that rare, even if it's not. And plus it wasn't worth that much money in, in order to sell. I was like, oh, I'll sell it and see what happens. I don't really need it. Plus because it, it was bulky, like the big, with the shipping box, it was like a big fucking thing. They're big, right? Yeah. I mean, well, it's not super big, but with the box and everything else. And I think I said it had the printer, I believe. I believe it was a printer. Uh, I'm going to look that up. Imagination machine printer. It, it could not have been a printer that made them by, by themselves. But it was something that, that was it was like the all in one solution. Maybe maybe I'm confused. Maybe it was, it was another uh, printer that was with it. But uh, yeah, look it up. Imagination machine and how weird it is and how you know they probably didn't make a huge amount of them. And um, yeah, that's my biggest regret. It's like I'm ash- I'm almost ashamed to admit it that it would be like me finding you know not monetary wise but almost as rare you'd find like you know you find like a fucking steam events and be like oh, i'll just put it on ebay and get the money for it. even it's like it's, you're never going to find it again like right. you might as well just keep it mm-hmm. the money isn't worth it never at least to me never finding it again maybe same events actually at the time yeah same events at the time was probably only worth about a thousand dollars when i had this so that's probably a good comparison had i known like it's not it wouldn't it be worth selling but i did you know second regret I had a Game Boy prototype I found on a flea market and I sold it for only like $150. What was it a prototype of? Oh, God. I believe it was an existing game because if it wasn't, I'd be stupid to admit. I believe it was a, 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 like a skateboarding game. Oh, I think I remember this. I think it was, I think you told me it was like Tour de Thrash or something like that or I don't know. But that was, again, early 2000s. I found it on a flea market and then I believe um, I, believe I posted it on a... Um, um, digital press and someone bought it for me off digital press. I didn't get ripped off. I mean, even nowadays, you know, a third party Game Boy prototype probably would only go for a few hundred dollars, I guess, 200. So, like, I, I think I got like 100 or, or 150 for it. I was like, okay, yeah, I don't need it. I don't want it. But now, looking back, I, I sort of evolved in a bad way, as Ian would think. I, I started hoarding more of the stuff I found instead of just like, okay, I really don't need this. Sure. I mean, I'll keep it for a few months. So, no, I started keeping everything. Which is good because now this stuff's worth money. A lot of stuff. It's a good thing I didn't sell, didn't sell it off. With yeah. Or yeah, you've held it through a couple of, a couple of ups, ups and downs. downs. Yeah, a couple, couple of semi crashes and the the last one, and then we we had the pandemic boosted up. I'm like, okay, you know, you know what crashed? though? Bitcoin crashed and Dogecoin crashed. Ian. Glad glad you got out of Dogecoin. Oh, I I made money on it, but I have a thousand coins just sitting there. I'm just check back on them in four years when nostalgia makes it go up to 50 cents. Will again. there be a nostalgia for yeah. for crypto? <laughs> we'll see. You have a thousand coins? I have a thousand two hundred. I bought it at an extraordinarily low price. Why don't you tell your good buddy Pat to get it on it? You didn't, no, one, no one tells me to get it on it. Because I bought my Doge and my AMC when I was drunk one night in December. Oh. It was a lark. <laughs> oh, okay. So that, that's my main regret, those two, that prototype. Um, and God, I really hope, I really hope, maybe I'm not massaging the story. I really hope it wasn't a, uh, a game that came out. If I, if I sold a, 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 a prototype game or game that was not dumped, I'll never forgive myself, but it, it was like 2002, 2003. It was that long ago. Cause I was still, I think I was still living at home. Still, that's how, that's how far long ago it was. So there you go. There you have it. I, I have lots of things I regret, regret, uh, you know, other people around me throwing out, but, uh, that's a whole other conversation. That's. That that's a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Don't make me throw out my NES game boxes. Yep, I kept them nice and stacked in, in the attic. Then they were eventually tossed anyway. 
I had the collector mentality even when I was eight years old. Keep, I always kept the manuals back then, but stacked the manual. The manuals were stacked up. They were all kept nice. We uh, we always kept the manuals in a drawer on the coffee table. And uh, okay. there would be days where I wouldn't want to play Nintendo, but I would sit there and just go through the manuals. I loved going through they manuals were entertaining. as a kid. There's loved all nice the stories. art and shit like the art that. Was, the line art was great. All right. Uh, Ian, we have a traditional Q&A on the CU Pod. We haven't done one of the official Q&A in months. We do have a traditional Q&A. This is from Brandon Velasquez. What post-childhood games slash game systems were you most excited for? I guess we'll say legal age of 18 you're, when you're a man. What, uh, what were you most excited for? 18 plus. Um, Unless you want to say like post-college, like where you're like out of college or whatever. In terms of systems, probably the Switch. I got real hyped on the Switch. Really? Yeah, I got real hyped. I was I was excited for the Switch to come out. I wanted to see what it would do and what it would look like. And I knew it would be a while until I got one, right. but Vani had hers pre-ordered. Um, that was when I was, like, sick. So I was like, I can't, like, go out and buy this. I need to set aside so, this money until I find out what the fuck's going on with my that stomach. That was fall 2016. So I was really excited about that. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty freaking excited well, about the uh, analog pocket. Well, okay. Before that, walk me through when you first saw that first, you know, that 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 uh, switch trailer where all the people on the rooftops playing the games and like that got you hyped. Like, uh, you were like, "Woo!" I I I think that I thought the idea of a portable that could go to a console was very, a very good idea, very exciting. Where's that first trailer? And it um, it appealed to me because, you know, Vani and I live in a smallish apartment. We share a TV. Uh, I was October twentieth, two thousand sixteen. It was cool to me to be able to be playing something. You know, she gets home from she gets home from work. She wants to unwind. She wants to play something. I can pull it out of the, um, you know, the dock and use it. So yes, I was excited about that. Um, Dreamcast would have been when I was seventeen, so I can't really say that. But I was super hyped to get the Dreamcast. Just very, very excited about that. But the Analog Pocket is one that I find myself like counting down the days now at this point until I can get it. Um, it's not a brand new system, but it's a system. So we can count it. Um, I mean, I've got a whole stack of games set aside that are going to be like the first games that I want to run through the system when it comes in. So I think probably that is uh, in terms of current. That's what I'm looking forward to. I ha- I the PlayStation Five and the X like the PlayStation Five just seems like something that I'm going to have to buy at some point. You have to. You think? Seems like a chore. Um, I'm not particularly it's excited about it, but I know that there's going to be some games on it that I'm going to want to play at some point. And I'm already in the stupid PlayStation ecosystem and have a bunch of games that would transfer over to it, and I don't want to lose those. So, um, you know, that's something that I'll get eventually. But that just seems like keeping up to keep up, you know, because it's my job to stay on top of video games. In theory, it's mine as well. Yes, it is. In theory. Um, I was, I was fairly excited for the switch. Not much of like young call. I must get it. I get every new, I've gotten every new Nintendo console since, well, not everyone. So I've only gotten, I skipped GameCube 64. So no, I haven't gotten every new one. I went new, but I got the Wii. I bought a Wii one barely used, Back when you couldn't get them, remember? Like for like two years, you couldn't get a Wii. And I got one. It was like 2007. I got one like January or February, like five months after it came out or whatever it was, four months, and with a bunch of used games. So I got that. That was kind of actually kind of excited for the Wii. Now I think about it, yeah, I was excited for the Wii. The motion control thing actually kind of got sure. me. Sure. Because yeah. I remember, I remember going on eBay every day looking for one, like get, trying to find like a deal. I, I wasn't going to spend, what was that, 300 when that came out? 
Wii, it was like 300 I thought it was 250 Wii retail price. <clears throat> the Wii was 250 Yeah. So, like, you couldn't find one new for under, like, 350 Or, like, it, it was tough. It was getting scalped left and right. Um, so I went on eBay, and I found um, it had, um, God, it had, like, four games with it. And it had extra Wiimotes. It was like someone that probably had it and got rid of it after, like, four months, five months. Mm-hmm. It's still fairly new. I got the I got the package for like three forty. I remember it, the retail price of all with the four games is probably like over four hundred. So I got a decent deal. So I was excited. Like I remember turning on the Wii. To me, that was like my first. I had abandoned consoles basically up to that point for the past twelve years. I'm trying to think. Like I really stopped playing Super Nintendo r- r- about ninety four. So obviously I was still playing retro stuff, NES, but I banded new console games for like a decade. Now I think about it. I wasn't playing any, any sure. of them. It was just computer. So the more I think about it, the Wii kind of got me back into console games more than I thought. It was like I, I really – I remember playing the bowling the first time like everyone did and playing like the batting uh, – playing the, I remember getting a kick out of the baseball game. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And it was weird to go from like, okay, you're used to Super Nintendo. And yeah, I played I played console Nintendo games with my cousins and friends. I played N64 in college. Yes, I get it. But I totally didn't play GameCube at all. I mean, at all. GameCube was not a thing for me at all. Um, so I went straight from really some N64 a little bit to the Wii. And it was weird seeing like Nintendo was like growing up almost. It's like, oh, you have a splash screen and it's all like cutting edge and you have a shop. And it was really a weird thing to see that. It was almost like it was like something. It was like it matured with me almost in a way. Sure. I was 26 when the Wii came out. Had it played a, a, a game, you know, newer only since I was, a, a you know, preteen to early teenager. And it was like Nintendo grew up with me and it was almost like a retro feeling, even though it wasn't a retro console. So super excited about the Switch. The more and more I think about it, I loved I loved Wii Play. As stupid as as simple as Wii Play was, a really good set of, of collection of mini games that really used. The, I've the, never played Wii. You've play. never played Wii Play. Came I with, know people like it, but I've never played it. Came with an extra Wii Mote. Yeah, that's what that's what sold it for most people. It was brilliant. The, 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 yeah, the pool game, the little combat type of game, the, basically Duck Hunt was on that. There people a, said the pool game was surprisingly good. Yeah. There's a lot of cool games on that that were fun to play multiplayer. Um, I might play strip we play once, whatever. But um, it was it was a fun experience. So that was a big one for me. Then for some reason I go back to it. People say that, that was the last new game you played. It was the last new game I played. But I was for some reason over the moon over L.A. Conf- not L.A. Confidential, the fucking uh, L.A. Noir. It's L.A. Confidential the game, but L.A. Noir. I I was uh, over the moon over thinking wow. This interactive interrogation thing is pretty damn cool how they're going to pull it off, even though it's basically a choose-your-own-adventure thing. There's not a huge amount of interaction with it. It's, it's still, you know, hit A or B or C to get to this point. It was interesting. It was an interesting, another game that style that, you know, Rockstar abandoned L.A. Noir. So how many things that they did that they never went back to, you know, out of, out of all this stuff that they published? You know? Yeah. It's amazing they, when you think about it. Like, they did so much more experimentation that they don't do anymore at all. Even with bad stuff that they experimented with, uh, that you know, uh, like that one you're beating up people at the mall. State of emergency. Never went back to that through a couple of games. They never went back to that. You know, they didn't do stuff like that anymore. But yeah, those those are the ones to me that I would say most excited for in my adulthood. We we more than I thought. Maybe also because with the Wii, I had just moved out the year before, so it was like there was something tied to that. I had my own apartment. Sure, 
I, I had my... That's how I feel about the GameCube. I bought the GameCube. Oh. The GameCube came out right after I moved out, and like, okay, I, 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 I attached the GameCube to my first apartment. Like, that, yeah. it's memories of that. I had my God. I don't want to tell you how much I spent for my 37-inch Olivia uh, LCD TV that I that ended up remember dying when I when after I brought it here after a year. Mm-hmm. Or, no, it lasted like two three years. That cost me eleven hundred dollars for a 37-inch LCD, and that was a deal. Because Olivia, it's a, even a, probably a better-known brand now than it was in 2000 in, uh, when I bought the TV. 2006? I moved, out, I moved out that summer, 2006. I moved out. Um, $1,150, I think I spent on that 37-inch. Now a 37-inch TV is like, I don't know, 200 bucks, 250 whatever it is. That's why I played the Wii on, and it was a fun time. It was absolutely fun. So that's it. Yeah, Wii and L.A. Noir, those are my two go-tos there. Yeah. All right. All right, we got we got uh we got some uh, voicemails, Ian. Let's do it. How do you uh, let's do it? How do you access the voicemails? Don't know. Don't know. You go to anchor. That's dot, your pitch. <laughs> that's my pitch. Anchor.fm slash the CU podcast. You can leave us a you know a message. You know, hey, you know, my name is uh Floyd from uh Nantucket and uh give me your thoughts about Floyd our kicking. from Nantucket. I don't know. I think I don't know, I thought of Uncle Floyd, but Uncle Floyd's from New Jersey. Do you ever have Uncle Floyd on TV? Mm-mm. He was the guy on Turkey Turkey uh, Television on Nickelodeon. Uncle Floyd. He also had a local. It's Northern yeah, Georgia. I don't no? remember him. You don't remember that? Okay. Hey, this is Gage from New Mexico. I have a quick question for y'all. During y'all's prime collecting phase in life, did y'all do a lot of garage sales slash yard sale hopping? If so, did y'all ever find anything worthwhile? Thanks. Uh, yeah. Uh, for game stuff, not a huge amount, but some toy stuff. I, I have a, a little, uh, you know, muscle men came in like the little... A little three or four pack. I have one of those in the package I found at a yard sale in like probably 2005. That out of all the things I ever found at the time, where I wasn't worth that much, now it's probably worth like 60, 70 bucks. At the time, though, I was like, that's amazing to find stuff. Yard sales still invigorate me more than any other thing when it comes to hunting for stuff because it's a total unknown what someone's going to have. They can have gold. Not and not they might even know it and not even care and give you a good deal too. That's that's between sure. that that in a flea market. At a flea market, people take all that time usually not always to get up, pack their stuff at five a.m., go and set up. They want to get a return. At a at a yard sale, a lot of times people don't care as much. Like I just want to get rid of it. Get a little get some. And money the later in the day, they more they want to finish up yeah, and get yeah. inside. Um, so I never really did any yards. I, I have to be honest. Though, I never really found anything at yard sales. Almost all of my game collecting was done at various flea markets, but not even just the ones that were regular, like like say the Super Flea in Buffalo or Kobe's. Um, you know, little one one off flea markets that like a church would put on for a weekend or something like that. Oh, That's, the church ones are great. That, I love the the church ones oh, were fantastic. I found a GBA uh, micro at a church one back in Jersey. Forgot about that in the box, I believe. I believe I used to pick up a lot of board games at uh, church uh, church Ooh. flea markets too. Yeah, that might be where I found my Famicom GBA at, at a church. It was a vendor, but it was at a church flea market in Jersey. Um, yeah, flea markets are exciting, especially because a lot of times, you know, okay, there's the great ones that we used to have near us before COVID, where it's like, oh, this is the weekend every every year where the neighborhood does it, and you get like twenty or twelve people from the condo. You know what I mean? They all do it. Like those are great. You can spend like an hour. Going through twenty people's stuff, it's fantastic, and you can find whatever, whatever you you, you know, you don't even know what you're going to find. But the surprise of being this is more in Jersey than San Diego for some reason, more in Jersey. The surprise of just driving randomly on a Saturday or Sunday and seeing the sign, what? It's like it's 
It's like a gold rush. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, oh, now you got to follow the seven signs. It's like a, an adventure to get to it. There's something about that. I can't explain it. Can't explain what it is about randomly. It must be the dopamine thing, like of gambling. I don't know. But you see the sign, follow the arrow. It's like magenta paper, lime green, you know, like neon paper. Follow the arrows to it. And you get there, and there could be something good or something bad. But it's, I have the best memories of just feeling like that's like a good time. Even if you don't really necessarily find anything, getting out of the car, hey, what's going on? Oh, what do you got here? And you look around and you, you see what they have. Sometimes you ask if they had more stuff in their house. Sometimes they did. Sometimes I'm not. But no, that was the most fun I ever had. Probably way more than flea markets. I even say because flea markets is a lot of it's a lot of searching, not not a lot of finding on a flea market. At least at a yard sale, you're not searching for hours. It's like oh, five ten minutes, I leave, and that's it. That's the longest I think we've spent on a. It's a good one. It's a good one. That could have been its own topic. Could have been. It was wasted there. It's wasted. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Gizmo from California, and I wanted to ask, what with eBay banning the sale of adult video games, do you see this as a danger or at least a concern when it comes to preserving adult and pornographic video games? You think that's going to be an issue? No. I mean, it's going to make them slightly harder to get, but people will find other avenues. Yeah, sure. There's other there's other modes out there to get this stuff. What's the next one? Hi guys, uh, love the podcast. It's Dave, all the way over from in England, and uh, I was just wondering what your favourite fighting game of all time is. Uh, mine is Mortal Kombat 11. I do really like the mechanics in that. I think it's one of the most balanced. Right, I went to raise that in post. Wow, that's very soft spoken, Dave. F- favorite fighting game of all time? He said his was Mortal Kombat 11. It's tough. Um, I really, really got into Guilty Gear Xard. Um, never got good at it, but I really like that game. That was the Guilty Gear uh, entry that ran for, I think, three releases on the... Um, it was during the PlayStation 4, Xbox One era, last generation. Um, but as far as old school fighters go, I, it, I love Mark of the Wolves. God, I love Mark of the Wolves. Garu Mark of the Wolves is one of my favorites. Um, it, it, it's all SNK fighters. Uh, Garu Mark of the Wolves... Um, uh king of fighters uh 98 or 2002 um and uh samurai showdown 2 specifically 2 i love samurai showdown 2 if you had if you made me pick outside of that because i do like street fighter games it's just i really love the snk fighters um i love street fighter alpha 2 that's probably my favorite of the street fighters give me like tekken 2 or 3 or tekken tag like those games to me are not just great because all different characters. They're, they're probably to me the most intuitive fighting games out there because you're literally using limbs to fight, and it, you can kind of combo and have it make sense based upon you can pick you can pick up and play a lot of the fighters and learn just by experimenting. And I like that. I like I'm probably the in terms of like yeah Tekken. Tekken I'm I'm pretty good at. I like Tekken a lot. Hey gentlemen, this is Matt again from Oak Island. Hope you're both doing well. Uh, my question's for Pat. Uh, when you're at conventions and whatnot, do you often get people asking you to sign game cartridges like you featured on Pat the NES Punk? And if so, what is the most commonly requested cartridge that you get uh, to get signed? <laughs> Love the podcast, you guys. As always, stay safe. Uh, there's probably not one that's most commonly requested. It's what, probably whatever someone finds for cheap laying around. But I have uh, signed Danny Sullivan's, and I think Ian has as well. But yep. uh, I've signed Track and Field. I've, I've signed Amagon's. I've signed the uh, guy. I can't remember the videos I did. Commando. Yeah, I've signed whatever. It's usually whatever people have around. But it's also obviously not ones I've done videos. I've, 
it's you know Super Mario Duck Hunt. I probably signed the most out of everything. It was, it was the most common game. Hey, this is Nick from Tokyo, and my question today is: Why did you decide to go with the one-up sound when you mentioned limited versus the limited thing you used to do, Pat? Uh, so, yeah, I feel like we lost something precious there. <laughs> Don West, yes, limited. No, uh, and by the way, shout out to Don uh, Don West. He's going through some health health things right now. He made public health issues. Oh hopefully, no! Hopefully, he gets better. Yeah, I think he has. Um, I think he has a lymphoma thing going on. Uh, Don, good old Don West, so, selling me baseball cards into my teens and twenties. Uh, there, um, I don't know why. I just I want because I because you know, we, we I had the little mushroom that Yoshi gave to me that made sound. And one time I just said, limit it and hit it. And it was literally just that. It yeah. became a thing. It was on the desk back in, that was probably 2014 or 15, whenever that was, back back in uh, uh, condo country. <laughs> Castle condo country. Back then. In our cramped little space that I, w- I would freak out every every week and yell about it. It's fucking everything. It's so small. I'm like knocking into everything. <laughs> he has to deal with me going crazy there. Uh, okay, next one. Limited. Let's see. Ian, Pat, mm-hmm. fellow Patrick and resident of Earth here. I just finished this week's podcast, and you all discussed eBay's new policy regarding adult games. I, I don't agree with it, but it, it's their platform, so whatever. Uh, what I'm curious about, though, is why they don't do anything about the abundance of counterfeit games on there. Because they make, make money. some money. Make some money. They get, they get a cut of yep. every single thing sold on eBay Cause it and makes- listed. Because they have no ethics. They have no incentive to lock to... to it would have to be Nintendo or a bunch of uh, IP holders basically saying to cut this shit out. That's what it would take. And for Nintendo, it's probably like, well, we don't care if someone's making you know repros of, of some of these games, whatever. It's not worth their time. Nintendo can't even keep up making their own money, counting their own money. Unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. Well... Hey guys, this is Dan from Turnersville, New Jersey. Um, with the Go-go. Castlevania series coming back on Netflix, I was just wondering what would you like to see for the future of the Castlevania series? Would you like to see him go back to the 2D games? Would you like to see a Metroidvania thing, maybe an open world thing? And if so, who do you think would be the right studio to develop that game? Thanks. I, I don't know about studio, um, studio although... Studio, studio. Uh, Way forward, and um, well, and Igarashi did a great job, I thought, with uh, Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon. So obviously, it would be awesome if they got, if if they could actually get the Castlevania license. Um, at first, I thought you were talking about the anime. I don't want any more seasons of the anime. I thought seasons three and four were super uh, uneven. Um, is that done? Are they still making it? It's done. Supposedly, season four was done. I watched the first season. It I thought it was pretty good. I, the I first two it. seasons were great. Season oh. three was real uneven, and season four was uneven. And it had some good stuff. Uh, but not. It, I, I'm ready for it to just go away. Uh, I would love to see Castlevania stay 2D, though. I, I really have no interest in 3D Castlevania. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. I know you guys were... At one point, uh, fans of pro wrestling. I know you don't watch that much anymore or at all. I'm still a fan in the of cases wrestling. Of Ian, but um, I was wondering if you guys had been to any live wrestling events and what may have been your favorite experiences doing so. Also, Ian, I think you should watch AEW. It's really good. Just give it a shot. So I went to a lot of events in the early to mid-20s because that's when I was you know, really big on it from the Attitude Era, but once early mid-20s, going with college friends 
and I had MSG, Master Garden, and the Meadowlands right there. So we got major events. I was at the, you know, I, I've seen every major pay per view in person: the Big Five, King of the Ring, um, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam. The only one I have not seen live was Royal Rumble, which would be the most fun one. I would yeah. love to have seen Royal. Wait a minute, did I see Royal Rumble live? I might have. No, I can't remember. But we saw, we would go to like three or four events a year. We went to like, we would never see a regular house show. We're like, no, we'll go to like a Raw or SmackDown. I don't think we ever went to a SmackDown. We went to Raw's. Um, but one of the biggest ones, I believe, was I was that the King of the Ring where um, Angle threw, tried to throw Shane through the glass and then he, the glass didn't break and he hit his head. Was that at Madison Square Garden? Might have been. I can't remember. I can't remember if I saw that in person or not. But I saw like, you know, um, it was like right after WrestleMania with, you know, pre-invasion where Booker T showed up, the crowd went nuts. And then, you know, DDP showed up and took off his mask and, oh, yeah. and things like that. But the biggest one, unfortunately, looking back was WrestleMania 20 when Chris Benoit won the title. That was awesome to see live, you know, before things went downhill with him. Um, that was that was great to see in person. That like the crowd went absolutely ballistic. Like the, that match was so hot the whole time in terms of like, geez. It was nuts. No, and plus, no one thought like they're gonna actually put the title on Benoit. Like, no one thought it would actually right. happen. So I, uh, I've been to a lot of wrestling shows, um, pay per views, Thunders, Nitros. You've been Smack- to Thunders. I've been to Thunders. I've been to Smackdowns. I've been to Nitros. I've uh, been to Raws. Um, I've been to a couple of. I've been to multiple WCW pay per views. I think I was at. I can't remember, including the Halloween Havoc where uh, Jim Duggan turned uh, turned heel by going Canadian. Oh, um, that was like the bad WCW era. It was like ninety nine. But it was cool because I got to see Muda. I got to see Great Muda. Oh, nice that that uh, that pay per view. Um, I can't remember which WWF pay per view I went to. Um, I've also been to pro wrestling guerrilla shows. I've been to a few Ring of Honor shows. There was a lot. There was a time where I was going to. A, a Ring rat over here. Yeah, it was it was a good time. I couldn't. I didn't have a chance to see WCW because New Jersey and New York City were strongholds. W. They didn't really have events. Um, Pennsylvania, they did, and obviously, if you went to upstate New York, but I I think I had a chance in college just to see one. I just didn't go. I think it would have. I think it was a. I think it was a nitro. I probably should have went. I never seen a WCW event live. That that would have been nice. To see how bad it paled in comparison to WWE, you know. Uh, most of show. the WCW events I went to were when it was like real fucking hot, and sure. they were fun. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, you got to see TDP live before yep. WWE ruined them and made him like a weird stalker. Damn you, WWE! God, God, Ru- ruined. How do you? Ru- they were punishing those WCW guys. They really. Oh yeah. Them. You imagine DDP like the People's Champion fight, Rock versus DDP. How fucking huge that would have been! Would've like been amazing, would have been amazing, would have been amazing in, in two thousand one to do that. And you know, DDP was a little over the hill, but he could still go. And The Rock was in his prime. <sighs> well, okay, sorry. Now I'm getting this is why I like thinking about wrestling because I get pissed. I, I get pissed thinking about wrestling and how bad they, they they do things versus anything else. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Leo from Los Angeles, and I have a question just for Pat. Oh, well. Pat. What is the origin of your beef with Wario at the Swamp Meet? Did he stiff you on a deal, or is he just a bad seller? What What is it? Thank. Okay, so the the beef with we effectually named Wario since he looks like Wario is the the main video game reseller at the local uh, flea market Swamp Meet, and never had a good experience with him almost ever from the from the from the get go. The first time 
Uh, I came to San Diego when I when I hit on Ian basically and talked to him in 2008 that summer. I also went to the I went to the flea market, and out of that flea market, I found to this day is still shocking that I found the Virtual Boy in the rental case set up that I almost didn't notice it was blatantly in my face. And I like look peered over it because in New Jersey you didn't find stuff like that. Coming to San Diego it was a whole new world, and my collection. Uh, Increased. Exploded exponentially, almost at least geometrically. Once I got to, I would, t- I would, I would tell Ian what I find every weekend. He didn't want to hear. I would tell him I all the shit I find every fucking weekend, like garbage bags of stuff. Sometimes, to- like, not just games, but toy stuff. So the first that first time, you know, Warrior was there selling. He was probably the only. No, there was another reseller, uh, maybe a th- third small one, but he had this binder. He must have just gotten into it. He had a binder. I don't know what where this came from. He was pricing everything he had based upon this binder, this weird binder, and going through everything, and it was printed out in a binder. To this day, I don't know if there was like a, like a thing you pay for online or get the information back in the mid-2000s. And he was busy. There was a lot of people at his stand. A lot of them were younger than me. Um, not that, well, when I, when I was 28. There was like probably early 20s, some teenagers. Oh, this retro. Retro was getting hot now. We're at the time where retro starting to get hot in 2008. Um, and he was dealing with people. And I, I brought a few games. I had like, at that point, I was still missing, let's see, 2008. I probably was, I had 500 games or so, 550, something like that. So I still, you know, I still have like 40% of the library to go, 35%, bad math. And I remember picking up uh, the Metroid uh, reprint, the, the label, the, the classic series, you know, the yellow label, Metroid. And asking him, and he, he looked in his book, and it was, like, super pricey. Um, I was like, this is before we have smartphones. I couldn't even check eBay at the time. But I remember just being taken aback, and, like, it was it was just bad customer service at the time. Just super rude. It was almost like, well, I get other customers to so screw you. It wasn't friendly at all. So I got off on a bad foot with him. I didn't realize I'd see him, like, every week right. after that. You know, he probably didn't realize that he, he must know who I was after running into me and, like, running around early in the morning looking for the same shit. But then I started hearing stories about him from other sellers that had been there a long time. He almost got, uh, he threatened, uh, allegedly, not allegedly, someone told me this, but I'm not saying it ever happened, that he threatened to knife someone over an argument over something, another seller. No one had anything nice to say about this person. No one did. Sellers didn't, that were regulars. Other customers had nothing nice to say about him. Uh, Then I started hearing from other ones that he allegedly would rip off other sellers early in the morning by doing a classic thing where he would ask, you know, he would put like a game on top of another game and saying, how much for this? And the person would say, okay, that's five bucks. Okay, here's the money. And he would take both of the games. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about that. And I saw him, I think I saw him attempt that once, something similar to that. And I've seen him get into minor altercations with, with, uh, with, sellers here and there and there's just a general distrust of this person and i could see why uh it's someone that got into it with no knowledge of it probably thought this is hot i can get into it and just bad customer service and just yeah that's all that's all never never got into an argument with him in person really um or anything never had a, a huge problem with him in person it's like you know go go along to get along sort of thing but that that's all that's why all right we got we got uh we got one more here Hey, this is E3 presenter extraordinaire, Tommy Tallarico. Okay, you guys can stop pretending that when I spilled those dice onto that screen with that controller, that your jaw was not on the floor. 
That was bogus coverage by you guys. You want the real coverage? You need to get it from all those YouTubers that I retweet every day. Like my man Snail Snot 420. He tells it like it is, man. Especially when I give him stuff. And he's got a new video <laughs> with work about it. how the Pfizer vaccine changes your brain so that you think the Amico's not awesome. Oh. But I even had a crowd there. Nobody else did, just me. You know, had the WWF as the Thunderdome with all the fans in the stands watching from home. I had that too. And this is how they reacted. Oh. That's and how they I were. I assure you that is not Lumen Field after Seattle beat Green Bay in the 2015 <laughs> NFC Championship. So don't even say that. Uh, okay, very specific <laughs> crowd noise that Tommy was using there. That Okay. Thanks, Tommy. I wasn't aware that the Pfizer vaccine. That's why we, we were down on the Amiga. I yeah. had no idea. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm Pfizer gang on that. All right. <laughs> God. Is that it? That's for the it. See you podcast. We done. We done. We done. Uh, again, thanks. Thanks to everyone out there for following along. Uh, check out Video Game Years. Uh, get a chance. DVDs. The new DVDs available at UltimateNintendo.com. And uh, check me out on Twitch Wednesday night. Oh, I got poker tomorrow night too. I'll, I'll rope you into a game one time. <sighs> Doubtful. I'll 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 cover your buy-in. I like. I'll the cover game. your buy-in. I want, I want to see you in action. It's been a long time. It's been a while. All right, that's it. We'll, we'll see you. We'll see you next week.